Happy Father's Day, everybody. I'm your host, Kaneda. This is episode 590 of Kaneda's Pinball Podcast. And what is this? It's a podcast that's not behind a paywall. Look, let me just explain something right now. I am going to continue to do Kaneda's Pinball Podcast. I am also going to do special pinball podcasts for those people who contribute to the show I will name names at the end of this episode, and they will get very special Canada Club episodes. It works out for everybody. It's a win-win for everyone. On this episode, I'm going to talk about Mandalorian pinball. I went to Jack Bar in Brooklyn. I put about an hour on the Mandalorian. I'm going to give you my first gameplay impressions. I also was able to talk to some really cool gentlemen at Jack Bar who had been playing this machine for a long time. We're blowing the machine up. I mean, I went there and some dude was like on a 30-minute game almost, probably 20 minutes, and he had about 400 million points on the game. And I asked him what he thought about The Mandalorian. I'm going to share what he said with all of you. But before I talk about The Mandalorian, I want to talk about the news in the pinball world. And the main news going on in pinball right now is there is no news. And it's crazy to me that we were almost at July of 2021. And I think I can sum up what all of you are thinking right now. All of us just want someone else to release a pinball machine. Where is everybody? Spooky Pinball, they said we are going to get an update in June. June is almost over, so I think we're going to see that real soon. And I am going to double down on my prediction that Spooky Pinball's next game is either going to be a Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween. It is going to be one of those two. That's Canada's prediction, okay? Let's see how well I do on my prediction of the next Spooky Machine. But we're going to see this machine really soon. Chicago Gaming Company. Cactus Canyon Remake is right around the corner. Now, if all goes according to plan, we should see Cactus Canyon Remake maybe, 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 maybe at the Allentown Pinball Show at the end of July. So end of July is not that far away anymore. It is only six weeks away. So we're going to get a new spooky title and a new Chicago gaming title. That's really exciting. And there's going to be a third new game revealed, and that's American Pinball's next game. Now, what's crazy to me is that we're six months into the year, and there's almost been nothing other than Led Zeppelin and Mandalorian. What is everybody else doing? And I don't understand why these other manufacturers make it harder on themselves. They're all going to release their games at the same time. They had all year to figure out a schedule and to get these games spaced out a little bit more. And I do think they all missed a golden window of opportunity to put something out there when there was nothing new. People are spending so much money on used games right now because there's nothing new in box that's brand new that is really super interesting other than Mandalorian, GNR, and Led Zeppelin. Those are your three like new in box games that are hitting the line right now. You can't go get a Rick and Morty. They're all sold out. So we are waiting desperately for the new titles from American Pinball, Spooky Pinball, 
and Chicago Gaming Company. Are we going to see Raza from Deep Root Pinball? No, we're not. You all know we're not going to see it. There is no way Raza is shipping anytime soon. That's not going to happen. But I do want to say congratulations to the Pinball Brothers over there in Europe. I saw the photo this week of all of those games arriving at Cointaker, and I must say, even though I'm not the biggest fan of how they aesthetically put this new alien machine together, I think the overall package is kind of not very sexy, but they got it done. They found a way to remake Andrew Highway's alien game. They found a manufacturer. They took people's money and they shipped them pinball machines. I want to say congratulations to the Pinball Brothers on delivering on your promise and on getting people these games. This is what pinball's all about. It should be no more complicated than that. As a customer, you should not be waiting years to get the game you pay for. Now, I also want to say that the Pinball Brothers still have work to do because they still have to give all of those Andrew Highway customers a chance to buy a new alien machine. And I think there's there's something like 50 cents to the dollar where you get like credit towards the new machine. I think most people are waiting to see what the nicer LV version of the game is. I think the pro version of the game or the standard cabinet version of the game that we've seen so far, this is not the limited edition. This version of Alien, it's just, it leaves a lot to be desired. There's been some issues with the early games that were unboxed in Europe. So I look forward to seeing how these US games are faring, if they're any better than the European ones. And I think they've been making some adjustments. And we all know, when you're remaking an Andrew Highway game, you are going to find problems you never thought you'd find. But I want to say congratulations, Pinball Brothers. And also Dutch Pinball, who's still getting people big Lebowskis. I know the wait is really long. The wait is really painful. But it does look like Dutch Pinball will be on a pathway to making everyone who ordered a big Lebowski whole at some point in the future. They're not flying off the shelves. They're not flying off the shelves. So it's still going to be a while. But I do look forward to the day in which we can say everyone who paid for a big Lebowski pinball machine got their game. That's going to be a great day. What about this Circus Maximus Kingpin remake? And if you've been in this thread, this is really interesting because this game was shown, I think, three years ago. Maybe four years ago. I think it was three years ago. The Circus Maximus folks brought this game to TPF and they let people play it. And they sold people translates. I want to say they sold 150 or 200 translates that had new artwork. And that translate was your spot online to buy the remake of Kingpin. Three years go by. There are almost no updates to this game in three years worth of time. And now people are starting to get impatient and wondering where is the Kingpin remake? Now, in the thread over the last like few days, people who have been working on this game have chimed in. Now, here's what I can sort of ascertain from all of the different posting that's been going on. It's really hard to remake Kingpin. And the reason why it's really hard to remake Kingpin is a lot of the mechanisms and parts that Capcom used were not standard mechs that Bally Williams used in their games. And so if you want to remake a Capcom game, it is a lot harder to do that than to remake a Bally Williams game because Bally Williams parts are more readily available. And then what do you do? Do you try to stay true to the remake 
and make sure the parts are identical to the Kingpin original in which only eight are out in the world. So it's not like a ton of people are clamoring for the same exact feel of the original Kingpin or do you substitute parts out and get it done? Now, I think this project has been going on way too long. I think almost nobody cares at this point. And I think if you bought a translate from these gentlemen, you're probably feeling like you want a refund, like you're never going to get this game. Both of their projects, the, the Python Angelo Pinball Circus game and this game, Kingpin Remake, both of them have never been completed. And I don't know why they even started working on a second project before they finished the first project, but this project just feels like it's forever stalling right now. And I don't know if a company like American Pinball, who is in a position to make stuff and engineer stuff, might be looking at a game like Kingpin as a potential title American Pinball would bring to market. So we will see. We will see. Now, I do think we're going to see an American Pinball game in the next like two months. And I think we're going to see American Pinball announce that they're making one of the Riot Pinball games. Whether it's Wrath of Olympus or Legends of Valhalla, that just makes the most sense to me is that they would make a game that's already been developed in R&D and they just have to put it on the line. What a great way to train the new employees that are making these games over at American Pinball. I don't think it's going to sell very well. I think an original designed game without a strong license is just not going to sell very well. And I think all these companies have learned that lesson. You've got to make games that are based on themes people want. And every time Riot Pinball puts all this effort into their games, it doesn't even matter how well the games shoot. If it's not a theme people want to own, you're going to have a hard time because these are not games that are gonna do well on location, so you need to appeal to the home buyer, right? If you're on location and you see like Iron Maiden, Guns N' Roses, Batman, Star Wars, and Legends of Valhalla, what's getting your money? What's getting your money? Don't be fooled by the pin side people that have bought some of these Riot games who pretend they're all worth $30,000 now. The truth is, these kinds of themes don't do well on location and they don't excite home buyers to go after them. It's really, really, really hard to come out with an original theme like Total Nuclear Annihilation and find success in pinball. TNA was successful because of what Scott Denisi did to get that game into the marketplace and Scott Denisi has a fan base that could absorb 500 versions of Total Nuclear Annihilation. Does Riot Pinball have that? I don't think so. I don't think they have that. And also TNA came out at the right time and it was very unique game and it gave us something that people hadn't seen really. I mean, the music and the light show in TNA, there was nothing like that coming from JJP or coming from Stern Pinball. So it was super cool at the right time and Scott did a great deal with Spooky to get people that game. Come on, Chuck, show us your cards, man. How many weeks do we have to see people on Pinside guess what the next spooky title is? It's getting old. I can't wait till we finally get to chew on the new games from CGC, Spooky, and American Pinball. I look forward to it. All right, now before I go into my Mandalorian impressions, have you noticed how many Led Zeppelin LEs are popping up for sale? And we called this when Led Zeppelin came out, we called it when Led Zeppelin was a barren playfield, 
and we called it that this game, a music pin that was following in the footsteps of probably the greatest music pin of all time, the most immersive and theme-integrated music pin of all time, that Led Zeppelin following GNR was never, was never going to light the world on fire. And now we're seeing what happens. If you went in on a Led Zeppelin, your game, your LE, is not going to be one of those LEs that becomes very sought after down the road. Now, I could be wrong, and the game that I keep thinking about that everybody seemingly got wrong, and now it's selling for well more than its original price, is Stranger Things LE. Now, Stranger Things LE sat in a box for like 9200 bucks for a very long time. You can't go find a Stranger Things LE new in box anywhere. So there's that. And if you do find one in LE for sale, they're going for around $11,000 right now. So that's pretty incredible, but it's also where the market is at. Mandalorian LEs are selling for around thirteen dollars to $15,000 right now, which is crazy when you think about it. That's four dollars to $6,000 over sticker price for a Mandalorian LE. If you spent $15,000 on a Mandalorian LE, you basically could have got a premium and a pro of that game. Think about that for a minute. Let that sink in. If you spent 14 to 15 on Mando LE, you could have got Mando Premium and Mando Pro. Same game, same features. Pro has a little bit less, but the premium is the same exact gameplay experience as the LE. That Beskar armor. Man, people are really paying through the nose for that stuff. All right, let me talk about Mandalorian and my first impressions of this game. And before I tell you my thoughts on this machine, I wanna give you some context for how I experienced this machine and some context for how I've been thinking about how to talk about this because I know that there are some of you out there that are just gonna say, Kaneda's an idiot, Kaneda sucks at pinball, Kaneda's point of view on this game means nothing because he's already railed on the game for not having any magic before he's played it. So I know there's a camp of people who feel that way and those people go to the bathroom with their pants on. So there's that group of people. Then there's the people that just hate Stern Pinball and want to cheerlead every other company. So there's that camp of people. Then there's those people that just think Stern Pinball can do no wrong and everything Stern makes is amazing and every other game out there sucks. And then there's people who just enjoy pinball, they play pinball, and they're not loyal to any manufacturer and they just want to jump on every machine with an objective point of view and see if it speaks to them. Now, I did everything in my power to jump on the Mandalorian and just enjoy it. I just wanted to play it and see how this game plays. Now, what's interesting about jumping on a machine for the first time, and I firmly believe this, almost every single new pinball machine is very confusing when you first play it. When I was looking down at the Mandalorian, the card on the lower left of the game that tells you what to do, it's really hard to read that card in a bar like Jack Bar because it's like this dark silver Beskar sort of color with black font. And trying to read that with so much information on that card is not very simple. And so when you first start a pinball machine, this has been one of my issues with all modern pinball. 
when you hit that start button, you are usually left shrugging your shoulders being like, now what do I do? And it's not always intuitive what to do. Yes, stuff starts blinking. And yes, if you shoot the blinking lights, stuff will happen in the game. But I always want to be pulled into some sort of narrative or storyline. Like nowhere in it does it even tell you right when you hit start that you are, in fact, the Mandalorian. And maybe there's a call out that says, welcome to the game, Mando, and maybe I missed that. So it, it might say that, so if I did miss that, don't hold it against me. So here's how I wanna talk about Mandalorian. Let's go like outside in. Let's talk about, let's talk about the artwork quickly. We'll talk about the fact that I played a pro machine and I'll go from outside in. So the artwork by Randy Martinez looks really nice. It's not glossy at all. A Stern Pro cabinet is pretty basic. I do wish they would use a little bit more of like a foiled or shiny sort of decal on the machine. It's very flat. And so I get it. It's a pro. But now that we're at these prices, even for pros, I do wish that the artwork in all the machines that we got looked more like Radcals, but they don't. This Pro is very orangey, but I do like the way it looks. I do. I like the way the orange colors all blend together on the cabinet, on the translite. I think it looks really good. Now, the other versions of the game look even better. So if you have an LE or a premium, I think you're going to love the way the game looks. The artwork on the playfield also looks really nice. It, it does look nice. I will say the game itself, when you stand over it, there's a little bit of a chaotic mess going on a little bit on the playfield. And by that, I mean, there's just so many inserts on this game. I mean, when you stand back and look at it, you've got all these circular inserts. You've got these arrow inserts. You've got these triangle inserts. There's inserts everywhere. And it's sort of like they're just there in the game. And the artwork that's around them, it doesn't really blend together for me. What's going on with the artwork and the inserts? I always like it when it feels like the inserts are part of the artwork. I don't feel that way here. I feel like these inserts were just dropped over the artwork and sort of interrupt or interfere with what's going on with the artwork. You know, like in the middle, you've got Mando holding Grogu and he's flying towards you by the flippers. And then there's just like this orange explosion happening behind him. And then there's just all these inserts over everything there. And there's like, this is the way in the middle of all these circles, but it just, you know what I'm saying? It just doesn't connect, but you don't play the artwork. The game looks good. Like we can't nitpick the artwork on this game. The artwork looks really good. And if you have this game, it is gonna look really nice in your game room. Now, how did the game play? I do wanna be completely transparent about how I felt shooting the Mandalorian at Jack Barr. And what I did today was I played Mandalorian, I played Guns N' Roses, and I played Avengers. And I wanted to make sure to play those three games because I wanted to go back and forth between them and just get a sense for how these games feel in comparison to each other. I know they're some of the most modern and contemporary games that people are considering to buy right now. Now, Mandalorian Pro. Let's talk about like the good, the bad, and the ugly with Mandalorian Pro when it comes to this game. Now, here's the part that you have to take my first gameplay impression with this in mind. When you are playing a game at a bar for the first time, it is really hard to get very deep into the code. And you're in an environment in which you're not hearing it ideally the way you would in your home. So you're not hearing the game the right way. You're not hearing the callouts as sharply as you would in your home. And you're not familiar with the game at all. 
So when things are starting to happen, you have no clue probably why they're happening and you have no clue how you got there for the most part. I mean, some of the stuff you do because it's on the rule card, but for the most part, these games, when you look at all the inserts and you start a modern pinball machine, it is very confusing the first hour or two you have with a game. So you can't even properly review a game in an hour or two. What I can do is just give you my first impressions of it. I think that's fair. It's way too early for me to say this game is great or this game is horrible. I can tell you how it shot. I can tell you how it felt. I can tell you about the music. I can tell you about what's under the glass and how rewarding it was to shoot the different shots in the game. Because I really do think that's the first thing you walk away with any pinball experience is how did it shoot? How did it feel? How does the Mandalorian shoot? Well, if you look at the game and you look at the layout of this game, it pretty much is another fan layout from Brian Eddy. The major shots in the game that are represented by these arrows, there are seven of them, and they sort of fan out from left to right. And there's one shot, then the next shot, then the next shot, and then you've got that shot up the middle, which I want to talk about first. So in every pinball machine, there's just that shot, that main shot up the middle, that usually symbolizes something and does something. And in The Mandalorian, this shot is super easy. Anyone can hit it. It's dead center, straight up the middle, and you're shooting the Razor Crest target that is hanging down from the ship. And if you shoot this, I think it's three to four times, this will start a multi-ball for you. And you are going to get multi-ball probably every time you play a game because of how easy it is to shoot that straight up the middle shot. Now, I will say that that shot with the Razor Crest and the target hanging off of it, it's not very satisfying because there's just something about that target that just hangs down. It sort of feels like it's a broken thing attached to the Razor Crest. There's just no real satisfaction in shooting that. And you know me, I love a good bash toy. I love to physically interact with something in a pinball machine. I love to see the ball do something wow physically on a pinball play field. And when you're shooting just straight up the middle, it's not really that exciting. Even when I was playing it, like when you hit the target, it didn't even feel like anything, like anything's even registering. It's just sort of there and it doesn't really have like a physical satisfying nature to it. And then directly to the left of it is your left ramp. And this is a steep ramp in the game. And this is an important shot in the game because you shoot this left ramp to go up the play field and that is what drops the ball into the encounters area which is in the which is in the upper right portion of the game and and this is the Mandalorian helmet now on the pro there's only one flipper now here's the part that I just don't understand so when you are playing this game from a player's point of view you can't even really see that it's there it's obvious that this thing was designed to sort of rotate up but on the pro version of this game that part of the play field is hard to see from the player's point of view which is really really weird to me you kind of have to like stand on your tippy toes if you're someone like me i'm like 5'9 five, 5'10 five, you really can't see it that well it's kind of hidden back there. So that's your left ramp. Your right ramp sort of loops around and there's like this crisscrossing of these plastic ramps that intersect where the entrance to that right ramp is. And I wanna say that was the other main thing that just stood out when I was playing the pro of this game. The way those two plastic sections intersect each other completely blocks your view of that shot. It's very distracting. 
I know some people out there won't admit this, but you are going to have to replace that plastic with the metal so you could see through it. I found that to be so distracting when playing this game. I couldn't get a feel for that right section of the game because of how distracting those plastic overlapped ramps were. You know, and you know pinball, you wanna be able to see where you wanna place the ball. And when it's interrupted by something like this, it just doesn't work very well. Then you've got the upper left section of the game and Grogu's up there. The doll looks very cheap. It looks just thrown into this game. The game shoots fast and the game is fun to shoot. Now there are a ton, a ton of assets in this game that are up on the screen. And if you love the Mandalorian show, you are gonna get a lot of show footage up on that LCD screen. And I think you're gonna enjoy the assets Stern put into this game. Now, while I was watching some of these better players play the game, it is kind of crazy when you watch really good people on a pinball machine blowing it up. Do you know why I love to watch people who are really good at pinball? They're looking below the glass the whole time. They're barely looking at the screen. Everything happening on that LCD is basically meant for people who are spectating. It is not really something you can enjoy as you're playing the game because you have to be so focused on your next shot, on dead flipping the ball, on trapping the ball, on everything you're doing. You want to be doing below the glass. And that is why I think as I was watching this, I do think as a community, we've sort of put an overemphasis. I've been doing this, you've been doing it, a lot of us have been doing this. We're overemphasizing what's on these screens. You barely see what's on a screen. You want the world of the Mandalorian to be underneath the glass, not up there on the screen. And when you see all the different cool battle scenes that are in this show, I did feel like, oh, you know, I wish there was more of what's happening on those screens on the game itself. And that is one of the things I felt about the game, you know, after I played it for an hour and I was looking down at it. And it's almost like all the shots in the game, if you look at where those arrows are, every single shot in this game is happening like three-fourths of the way up the play field. They're all in a row. Seven shots in a row are all lined up really nicely, but they're all right there. There's no shots that go all the way up the game to the back of the play field. Everything is right there in that sort of like 75% of the way up the play field. And it's kind of monotonous. I, I did, I felt like everything is just a matter of like moving your shot over just a few inches just to get to the same exact kind of shot. As I was playing the game and I was as I was watching people play the game and I was looking at Brian Eddy's design, I do feel like the entire back of the game, all of that real estate is just completely wasted in this game. And I still believe that all of that real estate going to just that big Mandalorian helmet and the Baby Yoda area all of that is wasted because you're not really shooting much there that's very rewarding. Half of it, you're never ever controlling any of it. And the other part, the encounters helmet, you're not there very frequently. You're not really shooting at it directly. The ball gets there in an indirect way. And when you're doing the encounters, it's really like not that satisfying. I have to say, it's really not that satisfying. 
I went up to a couple of the players that were playing this game for a really long time, and, and, and one of the gentlemen had, had had like a 20-minute game in which he just blew up the game. And I asked them, I'm like, what's the most satisfying shot in this game for you? What is the one that you just love to hit over and over again? And he kind of just like shrugged his shoulders and said, eh, you know, nothing really stands out in this game. And he said to me, he said, Chris, I think this game is going to get somewhat boring after a while. And I know that this is also a brand new game and he also hasn't had a ton of time on it. But the only thing he kept talking about was how awesome Keith Elwin was and how awesome Keith Elwin's designs were the entire time he was playing Mandalorian. And I think that says something. If you do look at the game, for me, the most rewarding shot in the game is that left ramp. I love it because it has height. I love it because of how far the ball travels up and then it goes into the back and then it drops the ball into the encounter area. For me, that's the most rewarding shot in the game because so much stuff is happening there. Now, there might be more rewarding stuff on the right side of this game in the premium and the LE because that's where the ambushes happen. But I couldn't help but think that when you're shooting this game, you're never really shooting towards anything physical that's a super cool thing from the Mandalorian show. And I think that's what's missing for me in this game is you're not shooting something that feels like you're shooting the foundry. It's just a generic scoop. You're not shooting something where Baby Yoda uses his force powers and does something magical with it. There's nothing there. Even in the Pro and LE, there's nothing. And he's there in the back of the game with his hand held up as if he's about to use his force powers. And I'm just like, why couldn't Stern figure out a way to get a ball to mechanically stick to that damn little kid's hand? If they had done that, it would have been such a cool moment in the game. And you know, there's parts in the game that, that I really like. Like I like the multi-ball. I like the fast action of the game. I will say though, you know, when you play this game and you see the light show in it, it looks really dated. It just does because it doesn't have full RGB LEDs in this game. So you're just seeing like all of these greens, reds, yellows, like it's all just flashing at once, but they don't change colors. The green is always green, the red is always red, the yellow is always yellow. And so you really can't create an atmosphere the way you would want to. So for example, like when you're going into that ice cave and those ice spiders are coming at you, wouldn't you want the whole game to go like blue and white? The whole game to get dark and, and give you that creepy sensation that you're in that cave and those spiders are coming after you. But you don't get that. The game still just lights up like it's a pack of Skittles regardless of the moment from the show it's trying to recreate. And I think Stern needs to go back and think a little bit more about how they can utilize their lights and their inserts to create more of an atmosphere that reflects the scenes in the show or the movie that they're trying to recreate. I just didn't get that sense. So after playing The Mandalorian for about an hour, I also went over and played Guns N' Roses and I played Avengers. And it was an Avengers Pro. Within two minutes of playing Avengers versus Mandalorian, the Avengers is such a better machine layout-wise. Such a better layout. So much better shots. I know the Avengers has a wide open center play field, but all of those shots in the game, 
Keith Elwin design, it just has this sort of magical ability where the ball comes off the flipper and it just heads exactly where you want it to go. And I, I know it's hard to say it like that, but you see these really fun things happening in the back of the Avengers play field. You see these really awesome ramps and these wire forms and this spinner. And it's almost like he knows exactly, exactly how the game should feel to make the player feel so satisfying in hitting each of those shots. And it's almost like he didn't try to cram too many shots into the game either. And the real skill should come from how you combo all the fun stuff in a Keith Elwin game. And I will say the one thing that I think Mandalorian should have had in it and would have made the game so much more fun to flip. The one thing that would have helped so much, I think, open up the design that Brian Eddy was going for, I really think the Mandalorian needs a third flipper. And I don't mean the flippers in the upper playfield. I think this game just needed something. There's just moments when the ball just keeps falling down from both sides of the playfield where you really just wish you had a third flipper somewhere in this game to create more left to right or right to left movement in the game. And everything is just straight up the middle. It's the same straight up the middle shooting just seven different places you keep shooting in a fan layout. And it really could have benefited from having something that breaks up that monotony. And I really think that when you play Avengers and you see what Elwin did, it's like there's so much of the game there with the two flippers at the bottom, but then that upper flipper adds so much to the gameplay in Avengers that it's so satisfying. I did. I played Avengers for maybe like three games today, and I'm like, this game shoots so much better than Mandalorian that it's not even funny. And Keith Elwin is on a design level that is just levels above people. And he keeps doing it over and over and over again. And it's kind of getting scary if Keith Elwin's going to get more money from Stern and they're going to increase his bomb and they're going to let his imagination run wild. I can't wait to see what Keith Elwin continues to deliver in the pinball world. But it's just superior design. It's just a superior design. See, Avengers has so much going on code-wise that I just I just don't want to take the time to, to learn that calculus. I don't. From a pure pinball shooting standpoint, it's a phenomenal game. But I think it might fall down in having overly complex code and maybe call-outs that are a little bit soulless. And I think that's a fair criticism of that game. And then I played Guns N' Roses. And I went between the two companies and I went between GNR and Mandalorian and Avengers. And hands down, Avengers just just is the best of the three. And there is no denying it. There is no denying it. And, I, and I'm just going to say it, that Stern Pinball Machines just feel better. They just shoot better. They don't have as much in them. They're not as interesting from an experiential standpoint. Nothing can beat GNR from an experiential standpoint. But when it comes from that kinetic feel of having control of the ball and feeling like these flippers have the right snap to them, that I can cradle the ball, that I can pass between flippers, it is just unavoidable the difference in feel between Guns N' Roses and a Stern Machine, and I love GNR so much, and I love the presentation of the game, and I have a lot of fun with GNR, but Stern Pinball Machines just feel better, and they just shoot better, and I understand why so many people are in love with Stern Machines because of the way they feel, and they definitely don't have as much in their games as other company games, 
but they feel so damn good. And so then it just comes down to like, what are you looking for in a pinball machine? Are you looking for a grade A theme? Mandalorian has that. Are you looking for a bunch of magical toys in the game? I don't think Mandalorian has that. Are you looking for a game that has a lot of interesting shots? I don't really think Mandalorian has that. I think it's very fan layout. Are you looking for a game that is going to break up the monotony of your collection? If you already own a bunch of fan layout games, are you going to be satisfied with Mandalorian or will it get old pretty soon? I worry that this game in a deep collection is going to get very old for some of you. I don't think anything is happening in Mandalorian that sort of feels truly unique. That feels like it's going to be something that's going to make you want to go back time and time again. And I'm not trying to rag on the game because I do think the game is fun to shoot. I think it's a basic fan layout kind of game. But for me, the big miss in this game is that that entire upper section of the playfield, I think is completely wasted real estate. I do. And I think so much of the last two Brian Eddy games, Stranger Things and this game, so much of the action is too far down the playfield. I think Brian Eddy needs to have more of the action happening towards the back of the playfield. It is more fun to see a ball fly all the way up the playfield than it is to have it go only like three-fourths of the way up and then everything else that happens back there is out of your control. I, I really do think when you play a game like Avengers, you know what I'm talking about. Like those ramps are like way at the back of the game and you're firing the ball all the way up the play field and it's so satisfying to see the ball fly all the way up and then loop around and then do all this cool stuff like it does in Avengers. It's just an interesting approach. I mean, there's only a finite amount of real estate on a pinball machine. And there's only so much you can do. But I do think that some designers have a knack for making the layout and the design feel original. And that's where the true genius lies in modern pinball design. And I, and I think Eric also does a really good job. I mean, GNR has a very unique layout. It is very fun. But also GNR, a lot of the shots are pretty close to the flippers. There aren't a lot of shots in GNR that go to the back of the game. And I think there's something so satisfying about shots that are a little bit further back. And I think sometimes we try to cram too much into these games. And, I, and if I could give any advice to some of these designers out there, it would be this. And I'm not a pinball designer, but here's my advice for everybody out there. I think almost every modern pinball machine that I've seen over the last five years would benefit if the designer would simply lose one of the shots. Lose one of the shots, open up some of the shots, and give the player a chance to have a little bit more room to breathe with the game. There are some of these modern games, and you know the ones I'm talking about, don't even make me bring up the spooky pinball ones, where it's just a brick fest, where the openings to the shots are so tight that the game would be so much more fun if it just opened it up a little bit. Houdini anybody? That's why people didn't buy Houdini. You jump on a Houdini, and you get tired in 15 minutes of the game bricking everything right back at you. That's not enjoyable. I think Stern Pinball understands for the most part like what people enjoy in a pinball shooting experience. Now, would I buy The Mandalorian? The answer is no. And I love the show, but I just don't see anything under the glass that truly wows me. And I do think the shots in the game are going to get kind of repetitive. And it's going to come down to one thing. It's going to come down to whether or not the code will save this game. But I'm also at the point now where I'm tired of the code always having to bail out 
the lack of magic underneath the glass. And I wish there was a little bit more magic underneath the glass and so that when the code does bring this game to life or wake it up even more, it's actually got some more wow under the glass because I just don't see it. I just don't see it. There's nothing Dwight could do with the code in this game that will make me feel like these shots are now more rewarding. And I think that's the best way to say it. I just wanted there to be more rewarding stuff to shoot at in the game than there currently is. It's hitting a lot of switches. They're all in the same area of the play field. And if you're watching someone play Mandalorian, it's super fun to see all the clips and all the stuff happening. But I talked to one of the guys who played it and was he just said it's like it's very repetitive and I think it's going to get old fast. So that was his take on it. Kanade is a crappy player, so maybe it won't get old fast for those of us out there who suck because we'll never get far into any of the modes or any of the missions. But that's my take on it. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize at these high prices, you really need to play these games and make sure you want to own them. To simply own these machines before playing them, to buy these games before you even get a chance to play them has become ridiculous. I know I've been part of the problem with this when I hype games up and I get you all excited to buy it and I show you that you can flip these machines and make a profit very easily and you can, but that doesn't make the hobby more fun. Putting a few more thousand dollars in your pocket doesn't make the games better. It doesn't make the experience better. It doesn't do anything to put more money into the bomb of these companies. It simply just makes us scalpers richer. And that's not why we're into pinball. I'm into pinball and you're into pinball because we want to see some of the coolest themes out there in the world. We want to see them in pinball form. And we want to see what designers will do next to bring these incredible themes to life under glass. But the world still needs to be under the glass. And as I look at Mandalorian, and I look at all the fun stuff from the show, I just don't see it under the glass. And it just doesn't shoot as good as other Stern machines that have come out recently. And then it just begs the question, if the world's not under glass, if it doesn't shoot as good as other Stern machines recently, why do you need to own it? You either have to be the biggest diehard Mandalorian fan But if you just want an incredible, amazing pinball machine, I just think there are other options out there, and it's not what distributors want you to hear. It's not what Stern Pinball wants you to hear. They want to keep you focused on every new game they sell, but I just think you can get better games from Stern Pinball that are more recent, that are more fun, that have better flow, that have more interesting shots. I think those games are available, and I think there's going to be three new games coming out in the next two months. I would wait to see what happens over there. If you haven't played this game yet, I don't think you can just go all in on a premium or an LE and know you're going to get something that is going to be epic. I'm not crapping on the game by any means. I will spend more time on it, but I just didn't feel like I need to own this game. I just didn't feel like it had anything super special that made me feel like I have to own this game. And that's just one man's take on it. This has been episode 590 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. And I want to give a special shout out to the people who have been contributing and saying thanks to Canada's Pinball Podcast. Larry Appis, Ronald McDonald, which is clearly a fake name, Adam Greener, Mark Vander Guchten. Did I say that right? Herman Cow, Coates Voglenslang. I'm saying these names all wrong. Khalid McDonald, Jeremy T. I, I'm not going to butcher your name, Jeremy. Bill Mello, Bill M., 
Michael Wine, Pinball Drew, Kevin Clement, Robert Bush, Jack Lowry, William Gorgar Pinball, Josh Wagner, Hilton. Someone even someone donated money as Hilton with his face. I'll happily take it. But anyway, if you want to contribute to Canada's Pinball Podcast, we are on Patreon or it's CanadaPinball at gmail.com. Thank you so much, everybody. I'm not taking the show away. I'm not taking everything behind the paywall. I'm going to give shows to both parties, so don't worry. The show's relevance, the the main show's relevance will remain intact. And I'm going to tell you how I feel about these games and these companies without any strings attached, without any agenda. I thank you so much for listening to Canada's Pinball Podcast. For you fathers out there, I hope you had an amazing Father's Day weekend. There's so much more in life than pinball. There's so much more to life than pinball. And I think when I play these games and I enjoy these games... And the way I played it today is how pinball should be. I enjoyed talking to people about The Mandalorian more than I enjoyed playing it. That's what pinball was always meant to be, a social toy that brings people together, and it's the connection with the people that matters the most. And it doesn't cost you $6,000, $9,000, $13,000. No, I'll be your pinball friend, ladies and gentlemen, for free. Have a good night. La, la, la.